Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Chris Barnes. Chris bowled collegiately at Wichita State University. He also was recently inducted into the PBA Hall of Fame. Chris, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's start. There's something that you and I have in common. Um, it is the uh, Storm Collegiate Spotlight and uh, we're talking about college bowling, Wichita State Shockers. We're both alums. And uh, talk a little bit about how you decided, uh, why did you pick Wichita State, and just a little bit about your uh, experience with college bowling. Well, uh, you know, I picked it for probably a, a different reason than a few other guys did. One, I was, I was uh, uh, from Kansas and, and didn't really have enough money to go anywhere else. So it was going to be in, in state no matter what. And... Uh, uh, Dan Dick was, uh, uh, you know, one of my best friends in high school and he'd gone there the year before. And I was between there and Kansas university, actually, if I went to bowl instead of play basketball, uh, my senior year, I decided not to play basketball. So, uh, I spent a lot of time around Mike fine. And I like to tell the story every once in a while, but Mike, Mike fine told me that, uh, I should go to Kansas because I wasn't good enough to bowl at Wichita and I'd never get to play there. And, uh, Whoa, wow. little, Little did I know at the time that he was actually right. <laughs> I've been a little smarter because <laughs> when I got there, it was not. I, it became pretty obvious I was well behind the curve there compared to most of the other guys. But uh, when I finished fifteenth and barely was the last person to make the C team my freshman year, I was, oh, <laughs> Mike was pretty much spot on. All right, uh, but I was I was dumb and and uh, and. And took it as a challenge, and uh, uh, was fortunate that fate worked out like it did, and, and uh, I got to work with Pat Henry pretty much my whole freshman year. And, mm. uh, Great coach. Yeah, yeah, huge key to the success there. He was just moving yeah. from bowling with Chilton Bending and tour to moving the coaching mm-hmm. side, and he and Dan and I were all working the flight lanes, and we closed that place on many a night. <laughs> so, Chris, what advice do you maybe have for that high school bowler who is considering Wichita, and they run into the same scenario that you just talked? They were maybe the hot shot at their high school bowling club or in their high school or even in their state, and then they go to Wichita, and the competition just is at that next level. What advice do you have for them? Well, I, I think it's I, I think that something that served me well over time is basically look around and see who around you is better at something than what you are, because they're always – and and that never really stops. There's always somebody that's better at something than you are. And try and absorb it and see it. See if you can add that to what you are. Don't change to what they are, but add to what's already made you a very good bowler. And try and add that, add that into your, uh, <laughs> into your uh, overall arsenal of and you know tool bag. Now you run you run a, a scholarship tournament, don't you, Chris? Yeah, we do actually. It's uh, this year was its thirteenth year. Uh, it wow. is the Barnes Thanksgiving Classic down in uh, uh, this. The last several years, it's been at Plano Super Bowl. Uh, Jamie Brooks really helps us out there, and, and actually CJ Chris Johnson from uh, mm. a familiar name from the past tour uh, really helps us out with that too. And so 
over the years we've uh you know we've been lucky we've had some really great sponsors and some really great support and we've given away uh over two hundred thousand dollars in scholarships over uh over the last 13 years and so just trying to help kids afford as you know you came from out of state into wichita and it was a much more expensive ordeal for you than it was for me as an mm-hmm. in-state player but uh some opportunity for some good bowlers to go hopefully to Wichita State and uh, be exposed to the best program in the nation. College is not getting any cheaper, you know, that's for sure. There's no doubt about it. It was expensive back in the day, and and the prices haven't gone down at all. So, No, off the charts. My niece is at Kansas Newman now, bowling for one of our RX teammates, Billy, New- Billy Murphy, and, uh, uh, you know, even in-state, it's, it's uh, astronomical. It, doesn't make a lot of sense to me according to the economics class I took back then. There's <laughs> way more students than there used to be, and it costs three times as much. But um, mm-hmm. it didn't seem to be giving out very well. But uh, but yeah, the, the fact is, college is more expensive than ever, and it's uh, uh, you know you're just trying to help find a way to a, to a sport that that uh, has has more difficulty at the club level being funded everywhere. So Steve, as you uh, so Chris, as you look around and see how bowling has uh, and coll- collegiate bowling has changed over the years, and you're seeing these guys out on tour, and you're seeing them. What do you think is what is the what has been the big push? You think because back in the day there weren't really as many programs, and now, like you said, you have some of the club programs, you have other programs out there kind of jumping up all over the place. But what is what do you think has been the success or one of the keys to uh, why there's all these programs now for kids to choose from? Well, I think I think things got kickstarted when the new guys took over the TBA and we started bowling for a hundred thousand the majors and forty thousand every week. I think it became a a legitimate option to soccer, baseball, you know, football, those kind of things, and where we were, uh, you know, that that was a a career path that uh, that really had a chance, and that's that kind of helped kick off junior gold, and and now I think junior gold is really the catalyst for. It's a great place for for athletes to go and compete at a at a national level like you can in, in basically any other sport. And maybe even better than any other sport because you can really you can get to a national final and uh, and and see where you stack up and get identified and bowl on Team USA and junior team USA and now we're moving back into programs that identify youth teams at you know at twelve U and fifteen U. And so uh, I don't think there's ever been more opportunities for young bowlers to get high-level coaching, to have high-level competitions. And I think that breeds a a much different type of player that's more ready for the collegiate experience and certainly then once they get through that knowledge base, uh, they're more ready for tour uh, at an earlier age than maybe, maybe any generation ever. Yeah, they definitely look more talented, and I know they're. I mean, their junior team USA wasn't even around when when you and I made team yeah. USA. You know, I mean, back yeah. at Fred Borden's place at Stonehenge, I mean, there wasn't junior team USA didn't even exist, and uh, back then it was like kind of like the training ground for the tour was more like maybe the mega bucks, you know, like the high rollers and stuff that we bowled back in the day. What what uh, what were your thoughts when you kind of think back on that when you know we actually had the chance to compete for? In tournaments that paid, you know, one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars for first. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a wild and crazy time. It was, uh, you know, it cost a lot of money to play, but the, the field wasn't as mm. strong as the tour. Way shorter mm. formats, 
uh, you know, set up basically for a, a probably more of a high a power player, generally speaking, in those days because of the short formats and multiple re-entries and the highest score wins. So uh, it, it, I thought it required a little bit different skill set, uh, but it was, you know, it certainly was a, an alternative. And like you said, that was the place where we kind of cut our teeth in competition and got at least somewhat ready for the tour. But it was set up considerably different in those ways. Uh, some of the team challenges might have been harder and some of the high roads were harder than <laughs> some of the tour patterns. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, generally they were they hooked a lot versus the tour, which was much, much slicker. And uh, just the overall talent on tour was different. Lots of guys, lots of guys out there that are really, really, I mean, they're great at one, at least one thing. And then the guys you all saw on TV every week, but, uh, it was kind of the wild west and, uh, you know, while brackets help make everything much better in my opinion, I think it's one of, it's been one of the, uh, the downfalls of amateur bowling because only the top 10% are making money in brackets. And now you take all the guys in the middle that were cashing and at least doing okay. And now they're losing money too, to the guys at the top. So. Chris, so what advice now then would you have for PBA bowlers and folks who, you know, were kind of going on this limited schedule of tournaments kind of clumped together throughout the year? What advice would you have for them? Well, I think if if you're great at something and you're doing what you love to do, it's going to work out either way. You know, uh, are we going to get paid like Neymar is going to get paid in soccer? Well, no, mm-hmm. you're not. But, but the fact that uh, – you know, I've got to travel around the world. I've got, I've met my wife, my, you know, our family is intact because of bowling. Uh, you know, I've got to do what I love for a living basically for all these years. Uh, that's enough for me anyway. And it's more than I ever thought I would make. Uh, I would have some faith. I think, I think there are some things on the horizon that are, that, uh, that are going to continue to grow bowling again. And I think, uh, part of this youth movement that's coming out here now is, is one of the attractors to, uh, to future sponsorships and some other things that are going to help kind of help the tour, uh, uh, regain more traction. Hey, speaking of the tour, uh, and you recently were inducted into the PBA hall of fame, which is a, you know, really the highest honor. So congratulations on that. And, um, what what did it mean to you to, to receive that honor and, uh, to be up there on stage and, um, you know, be in front of all your friends and family, have your coach, Mark Baker, introduce you. What did that, what did that mean to you, Chris? Well, it, it's kind of a, the culmination of, of a lot of small goals and, uh, you know, to some extent it's a lifetime achievement award. And, and uh, as somebody, I keep trying to look forward and look forward and look forward and not, and, and not get too caught up in, and what has happened, but move on to the next goals, next goals. That's that one was a pretty big one at the top of the, well, it was the top one. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> it has been a little bit different. Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to sit, but, um, you know, I still have some goals out there and, and I'm still for the most part wired to, you know, I, I want to win the masters and try and complete the grand slam. I'd love to get to 22 titles and tie Marshall, which is, you know, a childhood idol. And those are probably the last of the realistic type goals, I guess. And so I'm still wired that way, but, 
but it was a really special night. Um, way more people than I expected came, um, you know, were there that night, uh, and for a variety of reasons, but I'm, I'm saying they were there for me. So, uh, um, <laughs> but it, 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 it was, it was fun. I got inducted with two great people, Don Mitchell and then Ron Moore, who's been a friend to everyone in bowling, especially through the yeah. TSA group for over 20, 20 some years now. So, uh, it, it was humbling. It was, uh, it's still kind of surreal. I still see, you know, Walter and Parker and Norm, and I see them in a different, you know, I wouldn't say peers. I think they're still, they're still kind of the mm-hmm. idols and the guys we've been following for, for so long. So, um, but it was, it, like I said, a culmination of a lot. And obviously I'm way closer to the end than the beginning. So I feel like I have a few years left, but, uh, but yeah, um, a, a very, a very humbling and, uh, uh, I guess one of the few moments are truly happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hard not to be in that situation. With the body of work. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, some of that, some of the stuff that we did way back in college and those late night sessions and trying to figure it out and that some of it paid off. And I tried to use it as a way to thank a lot of people that, that contribute along the way. Chris, you have been coached by a bunch of different folks. So what advice you have for someone out there who maybe they're looking for a coach or they, they've been to one coach and then they go to a different coach, kind of coach hopping, so to speak. How do you think they should implement into each of their into their game rather what they're hearing from each of the coaches. I I have been lucky in the fact that especially once I got to Wichita State from that point on, I probably had more access to more coaches than just about anybody alive. And, and I tried a lot of them on for size. Um, I'm not a huge believer and you have to get worse to get better. So if it's making you worse, then it's just making you worse. So <laughs> I, I think you get some, some things, uh, uh, you know, you give new ideas a try and some of them, you know, despite the fact they may work for 75% of the people, you might be one of the other 25, but you give things a, a legitimate, you know, try short term. And if they, if you can throw some shots that really feel better and they, and they produce a, a, a better result, then that's something to work on perfecting. But, you know, if you can't do it for, you can't make a single shot in 15 or 20 minutes of somebody, then, then maybe that idea is not, not right for you. And it doesn't mean that person's a bad coach or it's a bad, but that particular version of it doesn't either isn't translating well or, or it's just not part of your drumbeat. Cause I think you're obviously there's so many different ways to throw a bowling ball and be successful. And so there's a lot of things of what I do there that are a culmination of, about 20 different coaches and some of them are just players, but you know, I bowled with Steve a long time and, and, uh, uh, there's things I've learned from Steve. There's things I've learned from Brett Bartman. There's things I've learned from Dan Dick. There's things I learned from all of those players that we bowled with back then. And then many of them along, you know, they were, they were beating me on the high rollers and then they were beating me on tour. And then and you just try and get a little bit better at all of them as you go and just try and keep getting better and better. So some of the coaching is not even directly related, but, uh, but then you meet some guys that you really click with. And that's, that's where Mark and I 
a lot of things have made sense that have collected over the years from whether it be Fred Borden or Gordon or Ted Henry. And, and he kind of put it in a package that all made sense to me. And so mm. we worked so together. What, uh, so, yeah. What are, and what are, and you guys worked together at the, the world championships when I saw you down there in Las Vegas um, he's a, you know, Mark's a, a tremendous coach. W- what kind of tips do you have for, uh, you know, players who maybe don't have that immediate, uh, access to somebody, you know, firsthand to touch that as uh, is there some kind of a resource or any kind of advice you'd give to, to somebody who doesn't sure, have I mean, maybe a, a I gold level coach in the area? Yeah. I mean, it, well, there's never been better videos and there's, you know, there's more That's access true. to things like yeah. that as, as well, which, Obviously, you and I were reading out of books, trying to figure yeah. out stuff. Well, it's fun time, and and at times yeah. we, you know, you and I put together the first ball presentation for the Wichita State camps. You know, once upon That's a right. time, and right. uh, you know, some of it, and now it's obviously come so much further from that standpoint. But there are resources through the USBC. There's there's mm. the certification programs. Uh, there's there's always word of mouth from that standpoint. There's videos that a couple of different people have put together, uh, including Mark Baker's uh, the mm-hmm. system. Um, and while there's yours through ball layouts, there's a lot of, there's so many different things that you can that you can uh, resources you can go look up and and find out if if you have a thirst for knowledge. There's plenty of it out there, and it's more accessible than it's ever been at a, mm. at a much cheaper price. But having a having a coach is such a big part of the deal for so long bowling was the only sport that seemed like everybody felt like they could improve without needing one and didn't ever make sense to me having been a basketball player and coaching is the key ingredient to success obviously talent is a precursor but if you didn't have somebody helping you along the way to get better it seemed to be awfully hard to do Chris, one of the other things that's been very near and dear to your heart is the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what you and your wife, Linda, have been doing to help that out and why that is such a special cause for you guys? Well, one of our twin boys, Troy, was diagnosed when he was six years old with uh, juvenile diabetes, and that's that's type 1. That's the type where your pancreas is basically shutting down and doesn't produce any insulin at all. And that differs from type 2 where... That can be more, uh, typically it's, it comes on later from, uh, uh, and can be caused by a variety of things, lots of times diet and, and age and some other, some other factors in there, but your pancreas is still working. It's just, it's just working at less capacity. Uh, at that point we became uh, obviously much more educated about how it works, how it happens, how many millions and millions of people are affected each year by both type one and type two. And so, uh, in, in typical fashion, Linda decided to do something about it. So, uh, she has been the biggest catalyst in that, but for sure, she basically started up our Strikeout Diabetes Foundation. And, uh, you know, we raised a little over $300,000 uh, for the JDRF, which is, like you said, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and uh, uh, to help find a, a cure and, and uh and then life improvement type products they they do as well they we found them to be the most efficient with their with their money and how much they spent on uh, on actual research versus uh, salaries and, and and things like that so 
that's that's where it is. And then we kind of we help set up a, a base so people want to run smaller events. Uh, you give them some structure and some format so it's not so daunting to to put together something. Yeah. As Steve knows, with all the things he does, it's, it takes so much more planning and work than than what you see once you get on site. So yeah, it was basically a six month adventure. Uh, the last few years, as she's gone on tour. Uh, we put the event a little bit on on hiatus here locally and tried and helped out a couple of different ways uh, in between. But uh, uh, as she pulls back from tour, I think uh, you know we may start up some some version of it once again. Well, good job with that three hundred thousand. I mean, that's nothing. Uh, I mean, you can't. Uh, imagine just how many lives you touch with uh, being able to contribute and support that kind of money. That's, that's that Jimmy Johnson, Don Johnson's son. He, he runs, yeah. uh, he did a lot up there when we were at Sequoia. Uh, they do a lot up there. There's a lot of people around the country that do some very fantastic things. And we're just, we're just a small piece of the puzzle, but we're glad to be part of the puzzle anyway. Nice, nice to be doing some good stuff for the sport. That's absolutely, absolutely for sure. And, and for people that are in need. So, so excellent, excellent work there, Chris. Hey, final question I've got for you. Um, now you've been on team USA for a while. Um, you are still actively competing on team USA. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm saying you're experienced and you're seasoned veteran. I'm not saying anything else. <laughs> What uh, what are your what are your plans now for the next uh, you know in the next five ten years or so? You continue to compete on uh, on Team USA, continue to compete on uh, on the PBA Tour, and work your way into the PBA Fifty. I don't I don't want to insinuate anything, but <laughs> no. I, and and I'm on Team USA again for 2018. Uh, this is a World Championship year, and after this, it'll be three more years again before the next one. And so. Uh, you know, the, the youth movement, the, the going to team trials and went, wow, these guys are going to be good someday. Yeah. That day's now. <laughs> it's been around <laughs> here for a couple of years now that, uh, uh, you know, uh, this will probably be my last, last year, uh, on the team as an athlete with, I think it's probably time to turn it over to the, to the young guys after this season and, uh, and go forward. Um, I guess it's possible it could happen before then, but I, I think, I think I'm going to attempt to make the world championships team this last year. And, and, uh, and then at that point, look more into the, uh, the coaching side. Uh, awesome. I know Rod's closer to, to retirement age and, um, you know, that would be a goal of mine is to, is to be the, uh, head coach of team to say at some point, Excellent. they felt like I was qualified to do that. So I think you're qualified, Chris. I don't think there's any, any question there, <laughs> <laughs> but well, it was, yeah, I, I, that program has given, has given our family so much that it would be, a you know, I'd love to be a part of that program going forward. And, you know, now, like I said, with, with all the young players that are, that have gotten so good. And, uh, I don't think it makes sense for me at 51 to be trying to, trying to be part of that, uh, 
you know, in three years from now. Uh, and so maybe I can add, add something a different way. And, uh, and at 40, at 48, you're ready to be another world champion again, though. That's for this I, year. I love, I love to compete. <laughs> and so <laughs> and while I may not be the best player on the team anymore, uh, uh, and maybe never was, but, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I still feel like I can bowl, uh, I can bowl well enough to give us a chance to win gold medals and, uh, and, uh, and add to, and, and, and be an addition, not a, uh, not something you have to cover up for. So once I feel like I have, you have to cover up for me, then hopefully I can recognize that and, and, uh, and remove myself from the situation. But I feel like I can still do that here for a few more years at least. Well, Chris, want to thank you for joining us, taking some time, sharing some insight, some of your bowling stories. Hopefully, they're going to help inspire some younger folks out there listening to these podcasts and, and um, help them to make some choices in their life. And, and all the best of luck with everything that you choose, and, uh, and we'll catch up later down the road. And I look forward to it for all those youth guys, the young guys out there looking for a college. And keep working your plan. Work the base. Always add more versatility. And then find a college that suits you. And not only bowling-wise, but academically, too. Because uh, once you're done, and uh, like I said, I'm closer to the end. If I if I can make it to 50, you know, even, even a little past it, I still have, you know, at least a third of my life to go, and, uh, and you need something. You need something to get you through there. So never, never forget to have your ducks in a row and, and give yourself the best opportunity to succeed. Chris, so what advice now, then, would you have for bowlers looking – and Chris, so you've been coached by a bunch of different folks. 